G'day, my name is James Atfield, host of The Green Place. Today we're here to discuss one of the most exciting renewable energy sources of the future, green hydrogen. By harnessing the power of electrolysis, utilizing renewable energy sources, we can produce hydrogen without any harmful emissions. The potential of green hydrogen is truly immense, offering versatile applications across various sectors, such as transport, industry, and power generation. To fully unlock the power of hydrogen and make it a tool for decarbonisation, it is critical the production of green hydrogen be cost competitive with fossil fuels. Currently, the target is to produce hydrogen for less than $2 per kilogram. This price point is important because it enables hydrogen to compete economically with traditional fossil fuel sources, making it an attractive and viable option for widespread adoption. Given the exciting promise of green hydrogen, we are pleased to interview Alex Zoninger, VP of Business Development at Green Hydrogen Company, Power to Hydrogen. Alex, welcome to Greenlee's official podcast, The Green Place. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Could you walk me through the process of producing hydrogen and how this process generates electricity? There's a few different ways to produce hydrogen. What we do at Power to Hydrogen is a process called electrolysis, where you apply electricity to water, uh, and that electricity breaks the bond of water and splits it into hydrogen and oxygen. So other processes can emit CO2 as the byproduct, but with our process, you only emit oxygen, which can also be a valuable gas, but it, it produces hydrogen with no carbon emissions. Okay, so is that the difference between green gray and blue hydrogen? Yeah, there's a confusing rainbow of hydrogen colors and it gets uh, more colors get added to the rainbow every year, every month, it seems like. We kind of like to talk about it in carbon intensity, but obviously numbers aren't as, you know, sometimes clearly as understood. But so gray hydrogen today is hydrogen made from natural gas or methane. The process is called steam methane reforming. So they apply heat to natural gas to split it and get the hydrogen. And so very basic chemistry. I'm not a chemist. My last chemistry class is probably sophomore year of high school, but natural gas or methane chemically is CH4, which means one carbon and four hydrogens. And so instead of splitting H2O, they split the CH4 with that hot steam. And so carbon is the byproduct and then they get that hydrogen. That's gray hydrogen. Blue hydrogen is the process where they capture the CO2 that's gone off. So they're still using natural gas, uh, but they're capturing the CO2 so it doesn't go out in the atmosphere. And then green, hy green hydrogen is what we do, which is making the hydrogen from water and electrolysis. Okay, so can you explain a little bit in a little bit more detail the role of electrolysis and how it relates to green hydrogen? Because I dare say a fair few of our listeners aren't as yeah. familiar and probably are in the same um, same boat I mean, in the chemistry class. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, electrolysis is, there is no green hydrogen other than electrolysis. So in this rainbow of hydrogen colors that describe all the hydrogen. So there's gray hydrogen, black hydrogen, turquoise hydrogen, pink hydrogen. So it's all over the map, but green hydrogen is what the definition is it's made by electrolysis. So as long as you use clean, renewable electricity, there are no carbon emissions as a part of the entire process. So our economy, as long as there's no carbon emissions or, or yeah, no, no real emissions. You can use any type of hydrogen, but it, it just has to have no carbon emissions. And so when you use renewable electricity with electrolysis, that's the way to have net zero hydrogen from that process. 
Okay, interesting. So has this technology been around for a while or is, is it relatively new? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Okay, so it was invented, this is my understanding, it was invented around the 1920s electrolysis, or at least that was when it was first formally used. It was invented in the Nordic region, and I I believe Norway, and it was invented as part of the chemical process. So hydrogen goes in, the main use for hydrogen today is in a lot of chemical and industrial processes, like when we make fertilizer. So in the Nordic region, they were basically finding a way to make hydrogen and using excess hydroelectric power. And so they would tie these electrochemical systems, these electrolyzers to the hydroelectric power, which would split the water and turn into hydrogen that they could use in the chemical process. So that was developed 100 years ago. And that was the main way that we'd make hydrogen for chemical processes for probably 50 years. In the 1970s, we developed a new process, which was steam methane reforming, which was making it from natural gas, but you know, having carbon emissions. But in the 1970s, that wasn't as big of an issue. And you could make it more affordably that. So We've been doing electrolysis for nearly 100 years. The problem and kind of interesting component is hydroelectric power is typically a very steady power stream. But now when we're wanting to tie electrolyzers into wind and solar, these are very intermittent you know, sources of electricity. So the electrolyzers that we used 100 years ago do not do well with the very intermittent variable electricity supply. And so a lot of the innovation in the industry is around developing these newer electrolyzers that can tie directly into wind. It can turn off and on very quickly because wind's variable. So that's where a lot of the innovation is in the industry. Okay. So, and these innovations, they're obviously making it a lot more cost-effective for green hydrogen than what was happening. So how far are we away from sort of green hydrogen being a a much larger energy source? Mm -hmm. The interesting thing in, in the market for green hydrogen is probably 70% of the cost of a kilogram of green hydrogen comes from the electricity cost that you use. It needs a lot of electricity. And so the electricity price that you use is a very heavy determinant on what that cost is. So the only way that we see getting down to a $2 per kilogram hydrogen price to be competitive with fossil fuels is by using wind and solar, which typically newer installations of wind and solar can provide cheaper electricity. You're seeing today, I was just listening to a Bloomberg Zero podcast where in Europe, you're having a lot of solar during the day that they're not using all the solar. So it's very cheap prices. So if you can tie into low cost wind and solar, you can drop that hydrogen price over 60%. So that's a key component of it. The other component of it is if we're going to have these systems, these electrolyzers that tie into wind and solar, typically wind and solar are only producing electricity, maybe 25 to 45% of the day. So if they're tying into wind and solar, the other important part of the equation is the capital cost of the electrolyzers. So what we did is the first generation of electrolyzers couldn't tie into renewables. They're actually pretty cheap today, but they can't tie into renewables. So, you know, they take electricity from the grid, which still has carbon emissions. So it doesn't really solve the problem. The newer version of electrolyzers, they're called PEM electrolyzers. So that PEM stands for proton exchange membrane. So because they use a membrane, they're able to very rapidly load follow, which means they can basically, they can adapt to changing electricity loads with the, with the, wind, with the wind and solar. The problem with these electrolyzers is that they're actually too expensive. So they use things like platinum, iridium, titanium, and gold, which make the systems typically too expensive. So at Power to Hydrogen, what we're working on is removing a lot of those expensive components, but still tying into renewables. 
So we use things like nickel and stainless steel instead of the platinum, titanium, and iridium. So that is what we see as the path is tying directly into wind and solar to access lower price electricity, and then reducing the material cost to get the electrolyzers to a lower cost. So what we show in our studies is once we, you know, we we're a startup, so we produce only a few electrolyzers per year for pilot projects right now. But once we go into full-scale manufacturing, we'll need probably about a three cent per kilowatt hour electricity price. And at that price, we can produce hydrogen for $2 per kilogram. But it's it's highly variable on the electricity price that you use. Okay. So because of the varying electricity prices, there must be clear markets of where it's where hydrogen is a much better alternative than what it is in other markets. So yeah. what are currently the largest markets for hydrogen? Well, so the largest markets for hydrogen are kind of global chemical and industrial markets across the world, but they're getting all their hydrogen today from natural gas. So ammonia, which goes into our fertilizers, makes up about 50% of the hydrogen consumption today. That market alone is probably uses about $70 billion worth of hydrogen. Also, anywhere that you have a petroleum refinery, what they do when they refine petroleum is, you know, they, they pump low value crude oil. And then if they want to turn it into kerosene and jet fuel and high value products, one of the critical parts of that is they add more hydrogen into it. So I, I don't know all the details, but I think it makes it a more clean burning, you know, a fuel with a higher octane so you can fly jets with it. So anywhere where you have a petroleum refinery, you're also using hydrogen to make those fuels. Other things that are big hydrogen users today is like methanol production and a few other chemicals. So those are dispersed throughout the globe. But you're, you're right in saying, so where we see the opportunity for electrolysis and green hydrogen is in areas with plentiful renewables. So, you know, in the U.S., we're talking about the middle of the country where we have lots of wind or the southwest where there's really great solar. Middle East, North Africa is a really promising area. Australia, there's a lot of discussion. Australia is so much solar. They're talking about producing so much where they're exporting to countries like Korea and Japan that don't have as much renewables. So that's kind of where we see there's hydrogen needed everywhere. But the source that you use to get your hydrogen, that feedstock is probably going to be different depending upon different parts of the world. Right. I do remember reading something um, based out of Australia. The, one of our billionaires is investing quite heavily. <laughs> Twiggy Forest is investing quite heavily into into this space. And it seems to be getting a lot of media attention in, in Australia. Um, yeah, yeah. Next era. It's a very large company here in the US and they're betting about $20 billion on green hydrogen, which mm -hmm. is roughly the combined net income of the past five years for the company. Do you have any insights as to why they're so optimistic around uh, the prospects of hydrogen? I haven't read the Nextera strategy, but what we see in the market, and we get a lot of attention from renewable energy developers like Nextera. They're one of the biggest renewable energy developers in the world. We have a customer in Nail Green Power. They're also one of the biggest renewable energy developers in the world. And what we hear from them typically is they own the green electricity. They develop the renewable energy projects. They own the green electricity. By producing green hydrogen, I think it's a really attractive kind of expansion of their value creation opportunities where green hydrogen is mainly green electricity. I actually like to call green hydrogen indirect electrification. Typically what we say is anything you can directly electrify, it's typically going to be more efficient to do that. So, you know, EV batteries, things like that, those work well in certain markets. But when you can't directly electrify something, hydrogen and green hydrogen is a great opportunity for that. So it's kind of indirect electrification because it's all produced from green electricity. 
So these massive renewable energy developers, I think, see the opportunity to get into new markets. They can start to create fuels for long distance trucking. They can start to create industrial products. So no longer uh, do you know these competitive renewable energy developers see themselves just as electricity producers. Hydrogen is a vehicle for them to start to get into new markets like fuel production and things like that. So you're seeing companies, I don't know specifically NextEra, but our partner Nell Green Power is met building massive renewable facilities, turning that into hydrogen. And then they're partnering with companies. I think Nell Green Power is working with a company called Hyfe or Haifa. I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong. But that Haifa or Hyfe is producing sustainable aviation fuels. They're producing electrofuels. So we're then going to use those fuels in vehicles and cars that we drive. So now Anel Green Power, this traditional just electricity pr provider, is now a critical component to the fuels that we're using in our cars and things like that. So I think it really expands the products that they can make and the markets they can go into if they can produce green hydrogen at a cost competitive level. It seems that one of the largest advantages of green hydrogen is the effect it has on the climate. So net zero is able to be achieved. What are some of the other advantages and disadvantages of hydrogen as a fuel source? Yeah, so I mean, the really big advantage for hydrogen is its effect on the climate and that positive impact. I don't think we'd be moving to a hydrogen economy without, you know, its positive impact and our focus on that now. I think one other advantage of hydrogen that I could speak to is how light it is for the energy density. So you can have heavy duty vehicles or even planes that are very sensitive to weight. The ability to, for them to run on hydrogen can be really advantageous for them. So I think that's another advantage. As far as the disadvantages of hydrogen, you know, as we've talked about, a lot of that, this global strategy that we're looking at is how do we decarbonize and get to net zero the fastest? And for green hydrogen specifically, it does need a lot of renewable electricity. So there are certainly debates about what is the most effective use of the green electrons that we currently have? You know, we only have, a, right now, we only have a limited amount of wind and solar electricity. So what is the best use case for that? Is it turning into green hydrogen or is it using it in different ways? What we would say is we should continue to build wind and solar and we don't see it as a zero-sum game. Uh, green hydrogen is going to be a solution for certain problems. It needs to be powered by green electricity. And so we just need to build more green electricity to be able to support it. So, but that, you know, people talk about what are the best uses for the green electrons we have. And I think it's a very valid, valid argument. So, and so can you talk us through some of the challenges for adopting hydrogen in the market? I think just speaking to that last point, so where do you get the renewable electricity and developing these installations is a piece to the puzzle that continually needs to be solved. One interesting thing is that a lot of the challenge in the U.S. is about for deploying renewable electricity is the challenge with the grid interconnects um, and getting permitting and approval to be able to get the green electricity onto the grid. If you're just turning into green hydrogen, you don't typically need those. So that can actually make that process simpler to be able to put, you know, install new renewable installations because you don't need that grid interconnect. But I would say some of the transportation logistics is definitely provides new challenges. You know, it's a different gas than natural gas. We have across the globe, we have natural gas distribution equipment. So there either needs to be retrofits or, or completely new infrastructure to be able to transport the gas effectively. So, you know, there's got to be a lot of investment to be able to run more of our economy off of hydrogen for sure. So do you see that investment coming from government initiatives or from the private sector? And is there anything that you'd like to see the any government policies mm -hmm. to increase? Yeah. We're seeing it from both sides. I think in early days for industries like this, it needs to be a partnership. 
it's a challenging argument if we, you know, the hydrogen industry needs to be supported by government for the foreseeable future, right? Like that's not how you want to build systems to, you know, run our economy off of. So, you know, our goal is to be able to, and our goal, and we see a very realistic possibility is to be able to be fully supported by private industry. However, in the infancy of any industry, it's, you know, the government support is very helpful. So I think things like the Inflation Reduction Act, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, there's a lot of resources coming out of Europe, Repower EU, uh, that are helping this industry in its infancy. And I think, you know, over the next 10 years, you'll start to see clean hydrogen become cost competitive with hydrogen that we currently make with carbon emissions. The thing that we could use most significantly is not, honestly, I would say anything else as far as subsidies or government support, but it is consistency in government support. Industries are starting to scale up around the current incentives that we have. But if a new political party comes into office and completely wipes out, you know, that support, that's going to be a real setback to the industry. So I think consistent policy is the most important thing so that everyone can start to make their investment decisions rather than people having to take risk. And then two or three years later, that government support being eliminated because of different political parties in office. So consistency of support and mechanisms is, is crucial for young industries like ours. So could you tell us a bit about your company, the Power to Hydrogen? Yeah, so Power to Hydrogen, so we make electrolyzers. We're a producer of the technology in order to make clean hydrogen. As I talked about a little bit earlier on, so we are pioneering a new type of electrolyzer. So I, I spoke previously about the PEM electrolyzer, proton exchange membrane. We use an AEM called an anion exchange membrane electrolyzer. And so the only difference between a PEM electrolyzer or the only significant difference, PEM electrolyzer and AEM electrolyzer, is it's a different chemistry. Ours is an alkaline environment, which means, you know, basic, whereas a PEM electrolyzer is an acidic environment. And in that acidic environment, that's one of the core reasons that they need to use those expensive supply chain limited metals like platinum and iridium. So we are, this AEM electrolyzer can tie into renewables, it can be lower cost, but durability has been a challenge in the past. So that's what we're really focused on is making commercially durable AM electrolyzers that can last tens of thousands of hours to be commercially relevant. So we have patents around that durability piece. We also have trade secrets from the materials that we make. We're currently installing demonstration units with customers now. So I mentioned Nell Green Power a few times. We also have a, a pilot project with a group of utilities that are working together. It's American Electric Power based out of Columbus, Ohio. ESB based out of Ireland, EDP based out of Portugal, and Eon based out of Germany, they're all working together. So they're demoing our system as well. And then we're working to scale up our systems to these massive multi-million dollar, multi-megawatt systems that can really power industry with this innovative technology. That's amazing. It sounds like you and the team are doing some some great work. So congratulations and pass on congratulations to the rest of the team from all of us at, at the Green Place. Thanks, Thanks James. For- Thanks for joining us, uh, Alex. That's it for this episode of The Green Place. Check out the link in the description to read more about hydrogen. 